Good morning, and welcome to Wolverine's Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Anita J, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Today is Thursday, March 17, 2016. And today we are reading from the big book, and we are at page 44, the very last paragraph, which begins, If a mere code of morals... Today's readers are Amanda R. on the 12 Steps, Rita P. on the OA 12 Traditions, and reading the text for us this morning are Chelsea H., Nicole S., and Kathy K. The reference number for Wednesday, March 16, 2016, is 8543. 85 or three. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Amanda R. to read, read the 12 steps. Good morning, Amanda. Good morning. This is Amanda R., a recovering compulsive eater in Maine. One. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, Admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible 
except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks. I pass. Thank you very much, Amanda. I will now ask Rita P. to read for us the OA 12 Traditions. Good morning, everybody. This is Rita P., Compulsive Overeater in Arkansas. The 12 Traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Number two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Number three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Number four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or or OA as a whole. Number five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Number six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Number seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Number eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Number nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Number 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Number 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media communication. Number 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principle before personality. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you very much, Rita P. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share. I said, excuse me, somebody's unmuted. Press star one, please. Thank you. Um, a paragraph or two, and we stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does not request that you're sharing. This, this meeting does request 
that you're sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, we ask that everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book, and we are on the bottom of page 44, which begins with, if a lack of power, um, no, if a mere code of morals or a better philosophy of life. And it's uh, we are reading just the very first paragraph and commenting on it. And I've asked Chelsea H. to read for us. Good morning, Chelsea. Good morning, and thank you for your service. I'm Chelsea H. I'm a recovered compulsive eater for today. If a mere code of morals or a better philosophy of life were sufficient to overcome alcoholism, many of us would have recovered long ago. But we found that such codes and philosophies did not save us, no matter how much we tried. We could wish to be moral. We could wish to be philosophically comforted. In fact, we could will these things with all our might, but the needed power wasn't there. Our human resources, as marshaled by the will, were not sufficient. They failed utterly. Okay, set my timer. Um, yeah, so first of all, this is saying to me that self-reliance will fail me. It's not sufficient. And it had already told me earlier that I had to find a spiritual basis for life, not for eating and not for drinking in my case, but for life. And I did have a lot of codes and morals. I had a lot of books and philosophical ways to live. I had been a Muslim. I had been a Buddhist. I had studied all these different um, philosophies and ways of life, and it was not sufficient to overcome me digging my hands into boxes and cartons and shoving my fist in bags and then eating in dark parking lots like everybody else, drive-through after drive-through. I wanted to stop, but I couldn't stay stopped. And if I was stopped, I was so uncomfortable in my own skin that I had no choice. I had a biological mandate to get out there and scratch that itch. But I found that all the studying I had done, all the equipment I had bought, all the different um, doctors that I had heard say things, nothing was sufficient enough to keep me from going back to believing that somehow I would be able to enjoy eating certain foods or engaging in certain behaviors and not suffer the repercussions. When I wanted to stop, I couldn't, when I wanted to quit entirely. When I started eating, I couldn't control the amount. I was this thing. And the only thing that could help me would be that spiritual experience, that spiritual awakening that comes as a result of taking all the steps and um, understanding that this chapter for me, the needed power, it says, that's what this is about for me, my need for a relationship with something greater than myself. And that something for me turned out to be the source greater than myself, my higher power, whom I choose not to call God. I call it my divine director. 
And for me, that's the way that I feel I live under the direction and guidance of a source much greater than myself. And I go to that. I tap into that. As a result of the steps, I'm unblocked so that I can access a power that's already inside of me, the great reality deep down inside of me already. And I'm grateful because um, yesterday um, was three years that I've had back-to-back abstinence, comfortable, not hand-wringing. My big book guide, uh, bless her, walked me through these pages. I had my experience. And um, for the last three years, I have not wanted to engage in any of this, and I have been concerned with others, and that's the only way that I've been able to keep this is working with others and trying to, one day at a time, get out of self-reliance and allow my higher power, my divine director, that's what I choose to call my higher power, to lead the way for me and to um, help me a day at a time. Thanks a lot for letting me share. Pass. Thank you very much, Chelsea H. Who else would like to share for approximately three minutes? Nessa R. Nessa. This is Larry. Sally. Sally and Larry. Carol G. Vasa O. Melissa C. And wait a minute. Amy E. Amy. Spell that, please. A as in apple. M as in Mary. Y as in yellow. Amy, oh my goodness, forgive me. <laughs> and um, there's a voice I know that I miss. So let me say what who I have, and then we'll stop for now. Uh, starting with Nessa R, and then Sally, Larry, Carol G, Vasa O, but I think there was somebody in between the two of you. I think we're going to see. I've got you after Vasa. Oh, Vasa. okay. And, and then Amy E. Kim, was a, Kim G. Oh, all right, Kim G. We're going to put you in there. All right, that's a nice line up here. Let us start with um, Nessa R. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. A vision for you. This is Nessa R., recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, so there I don't know, almost four and a half decades that I struggled with this disease including uh, almost a decade in the rooms of OA, uh, not being able to achieve very much by way of, of abstinence or weight loss. I always thought there was something wrong with me. There was something wrong with my willpower, my self-respect, um, you know, and when I was in that frame of mind, my, my, um, inclination was to exert myself more, to push myself more, to exert more willpower, to try to control the food even more. And of course, the more I tried to control, um, the less control I had, the more the food controlled me. And then finally, um, I got a sponsor who took me to the big book and I learned that indeed there is something wrong with me, but not what I thought. Um, there's nothing wrong with my morals and there's nothing wrong with my knowledge or my intelligence or my values or even my willpower. What is wrong with me is that I, was, uh, I have a spiritual malady. I am powerless over food. Um, I have uh, an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind that keep me stuck in this disease unless um, I seek a spiritual solution. And, you know, once, once I learned that 
and I put the food down. Um, my sponsor took me to these beautiful steps that I continue to work every single day. Um, you know, my my problem was solved. You know, um, like it says, we're not we're ha- we're not there yet. But uh, uh, in the next paragraph, we're gonna read. You know, the main object, uh, its main object of this book is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself, which will solve your problem. Meaning, uh, my compulsive overeating um, is going to be solved by by God if I choose to. Um, um, if I choose to choose God over the food and unblock myself from him through the work of the 12 steps. So all this time I was going about it in the wrong way. Um, you know, thank God that I, I found the solution. And by the grace of God, for um, about four and a half years, um, I've been abstinent. I've been recovered. I'm not fighting the food. My food doesn't call to me. Uh, instead of pursuing um, uh, my self-interest, what I want, you know, getting others to do what I want, I'm just focused on service on others. And that works so much better than just trying to control everything and everyone around me, including the food. Um, it's just uh, so much easier. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, Sally, please go ahead. Thank you, Anita J. Good morning, everyone. It's Sally A. We covered in South Jersey. So over and over again in this paragraph, they keep saying if a mere code of morals or a better philosophy of life were sufficient to overcome. And to me, what these words and what continues to be spoken at the top of 45, codes and philosophies, what it's saying to me is what we do and how we think. So if a mere code of morals, if what I do or a better philosophy, how I think of life were sufficient to overcome alcoholism, and truth be told, for 29 years, I was literally wandering in a desert in this program because I was fixated and focused on the tools of recovery, of making my phone calls. And believe me, my focus, my motive for those phone calls were very selfish motivation. I'm making my phone calls so I can flush my brain and I can get well. It's all about me, 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 me. And it was about what I was willing to do to fix this problem. And that's what they're telling me here. What this paragraph says to me is it speaks to the one who comes and is the dry drunk, who thinks that they're going to get well by simply doing certain things and thinking certain things. If a mere code of morals, what you do, or a better philosophy, if that was going to get you well, well, guess what? It doesn't work. It didn't work for me for 29 years in this program, in the rooms. I mean, on the, three times a week, I really thought that I was coming there to get brain flushed, not brainwashed, but certainly brain flushed from my sick thinking because I knew my thinking was sick. And it goes on to say at the top of 45, but we found that such codes what we do, and philosophies, how I was thinking, it did not save me. And it didn't save me, no matter how hard I tried to do exactly what they told me to do. It, didn't, it did not solve my problem. We could wish to be moral, do the right thing. We could wish to be philosophically comforted, thinking all the right things. In fact, we could will these things with all of our might. But 
the needed power wasn't there. That was my mistake. I never really understood that it is all about the 12 steps, getting unblocked and developing a healthy relationship with a higher power and laying aside and having a healthy relationship once and for all with the food, with the disorganized eating that I had. It isn't to say I laid aside all the tools, because the tools are there, but they're sort of like the backdrop, the blue sky, but the sun is the steps. Thanks for letting me share with that. I pass. Thank you very much, Sally A. And good morning, Larry. You're up. Good morning, Anita. Thanks for your service. Uh, Larry K., Recovered Compulsive Overeater uh, from Chicago. So <laughs> the question is, is why, why isn't a mere code of morals or, you know, a better philosophy of living, why wasn't that sufficient? That's what I want to know. Uh, you know, maybe it's not. I mean, that's been my experience. But why wasn't it? Because, you know what? It should be. That, that's, that's what I deemed. I deemed that it should be. That, that should be. That makes sense to me. That makes rational sense to me. But here's the problem with a mere code of morals or a better philosophy of life. See, they often lead to a design for living that no matter how well-intentioned leads towards more self-reliance, more self-propulsion, and for me, leaving my higher power kind of in a ditch at the side of the road, you know. And I, I, and I came to recognize um, over time that, my, that the thinking which placed me first as the director and the actor was doomed to failure. See, self-centeredness does not necessarily mean that one is morally deficient or they don't have good, good philosophies of living. See, but I found that the result was the same. See, true humility meant that, that I would accept my position in life as a man, no better or worse than any other human being. But let's be clear, I'm not directing this show you know, if we're willing to follow specific instructions, um, we'll, we will have a spiritual awakening that results in a kind of a right-sizing of our ego. And not a tearing down, leaving you feeling like a horrible human being. I mean, how would that be the right, you know, right size of your ego? Nor would building one up to the point where you feel that you've got this thing on your own, would that be a right-sizing? I mean, after all, why would you, you need a higher power in your life if you've been right-sized into like a self-centered mess? See, this, this program hasn't taught me how to be confident in self-sufficiency. What the program has, has really, you know, um, taught me, if anything, is I'm confident in God's sufficiency. I, so, there, you know, it's, it's a moving from a self-centered existence to a God-centered existence. And I cannot move myself, my self-centered self. The steps result in God moving me towards this position. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks very much, Larry. And Carol G., please go ahead. Good morning, Anita. It's Carol G., Compulsory to Recovered for today. Thank you, and thank you, Vision, for you. 
Um, uh, what stuck out for me this morning was the word comforted. Um, makes me think of seeking my emotional comfort. Um, my philosophy of life was to be cheerful all the time, <laughs> but it was a complete lie. Um, I didn't feel good on the inside. I would wear a mask for everyone and then go home and eat. Um, most of my life, I really generally thought that uh, chasing comfort was the answer. And when OA told me um, I had an emotional problem, I went a little bit off track. Um, feelings are part of my life, but trying to fix them was never my solution. And my intense emotions or my missing emotions, depending on what I was feeling at the time, um, just distracted me from doing the step work which was prescribed. Um, over the years, I have found ways to comfort my emotions and calm them down, but it never solved my food problem. So whilst I was trying to fix how I felt inside, the problem just stayed there. And my step one experience really hurt. Um, but unless I felt that really deep unrest, I wasn't going to get off my couch and, and just jump into this solution. So my description, if it helps anyone, of emotions is energy in motion or emotion, as I call them. Um, so in this chapter, I learned now that I have a deep problem called a spiritual malady. And when I experience uh, disconnection um, or restless irritable disconnection, I feel those emotions rise up out of me like a mist or a kind of a smoke. And in a flash, I begin to feel that my head is having a lights out moment. And in step two, that meant for me that the only power source that I had was food, but I put the food down. I was in intense pain without it. So I better find myself a different source of power and quickly to help me with that that dis um, dis sort of like contented, restless feeling. Because when I'm separated from the power and there's no food to comfort me, I'll just go into spiritual blackout. I'll think with a twisted mind and I'll just go back to the food. But I will say this about the emotions and seeking my comfort, that it used to delay my recovery because I was addicted to my emotions just as much as I was food. Once I start on a rant or a rage, I can't stop. I can watch myself. I build and I build and I want to stop and I can. And it's just the same as when I eat. And sometimes if I feel terrible, I can't get out of the swamp on my own power. So again, it constantly constantly shows me that I can't do anything on my own power, that I have to turn to someone else to guide me out of this. I always put my focus on the work and not how I feel about the work. The relief really is in the work because some days I used to sit at my table with my head on my hands sobbing and then I'd just get back to the work in the big book or call someone and share how I was feeling and get back into the solution. So I hope no one's feeling too disconcerted or too discomfort too much discomfort, but it really is necessary to uh, to move you through the process. Thank you so much, Vision, for you, and I pass. Thank you very much, Carol G. And I want to give everyone a little gentle reminder to stay muted unless it's your turn to speak. It uh, causes all kinds of issues, including echoes. Okay, good morning, Tim G. You're up. Kim, you're the one who can can press star one to unmute. Can you hear me now? Uh, yes, yes. Good oh, morning. Okay. I didn't, thank you. I didn't know what order you were calling me in. Sorry about that. Oh. Um, okay. Uh, my name is Kim Jean. I'm a recovered compulsive over. 
a reader. It says we could wish to be moral. We could wish to be philosophically comforted. In fact, we could will these things with all our might, but the needed power wasn't there. So I think to myself, you know, what was I thinking that would save me? What was going to save me from this food and weight problem that I thought I had? You know, so that's what I was looking outside of myself always, but I was looking towards human power. You know, this diet program is going to save me. This um, boyfriend is going to save me. This, you know, power, prestige, this title at work, my education. If I get this degree, I'm going to be okay. And I have to tell you, I know we can be very defiant, but I, I wasn't very defiant in, in the rooms. I did whatever people told me. You know, if they said meeting makers make it, I would go to meetings every single day of the week. You know, I remember about a year ago, a girl who got 90 days, she's been in program as long as I have, and she told the meeting that the, the key was that her son had go to college, and she used his room, and she would sit in the room from midnight to 8 a.m. listening to phone meetings, and that's the only way she could stay abstinent. I was like, oh, my God, I remember doing that and how exhausting that is, relying on that meeting. You know, getting the right sponsor, getting the right food plan. You know, I... I Joined a group that I had to ask 40, answer 45 questions in 45 days. I did them in 30, you know, because I kept thinking human aid was going to save me. And at certain times it did, but at certain times it didn't. I tried. I wished. I willed that. I have to get beyond human resources. That's why I need a spiritual awakening, whatever that is for an individual. I need something outside of myself that is greater than myself. As powerful as this meeting is, not everyone who listens recovers. Why? Because maybe they become dependent on a vision for you. And the vision for you cannot save you. A vision for you can tell you what the solution is, and it's your actions trying to find that spiritual solution that will create the psychic change that's necessary for you to recover. And I like to say, you know, a God, as I understand him, I like to say a God that is beyond my understanding. Because if I can understand God, he's not big enough. I have to earnestly seek that power on a daily basis. And I have to tell you, what I did five years ago when I recovered is not sufficient today. I must grow in understanding and effectiveness on a daily basis. But let me assure you when I do that, that today I know from the core of my being that I am a compulsive overeater. But let me also assure you, I do not suffer from compulsive overeating. So for those of you out there like me for many decades in OA who thought that the best that I could do is white-knuckle it one day at a time, that is not what this book shows me, that is not what this book promises me, and this is not the experience I have. I do not want my binge foods peacefully on a daily basis. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much, Kim G. And Vasa, oh, it's your turn. Yes, thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Anita, for your service. And I am a grateful recovered compulsive overeater calling from Florida. We could wish to be moral. We could wish to be philosophically comforted. And before I came to my program, I depended on myself or other people to save me. And I did a lot of explorations uh, over the years, for 25 years, and I could not do it. I was, you know, I was at the end of the rope. And I was 12-step for about a week before I came to my first meeting. I was very, very skeptical. I was very, very cautious when I came to my first meeting. I wouldn't even drink their coffee because I was so afraid somebody might slip something in there. I was very, very cautious. 
Uh, but I thank God, the person that brought me in the program, she was a friend, and I trusted that she wouldn't do anything to hurt me. And self-reliance was not enough for me. I needed to find a power greater than myself. And I did, again, as I said, I, I did contrive, control the food for many, many, many years of my life. And I just, that's it. I, it's live or die, Vasa. And I did give in to the food before I came to program. Could have been months ago, you know. I just gave in. I surrendered to the food because I could not control it anymore. And uh, to me, I needed to find power greater than myself to help me, and I got on my knees, and I begged God. I surrendered with all my heart. I said, please help me, because I did what I was told to do. I didn't want to die. So I was um, unplugged from my own power, and I was plugged with a new power. To me, it was like an instant thing, you know, and I felt like that power went right from my head to my heart, you know. It was almost like having a surgery. And, and because of that, I kept coming. And because of that, I was being able to get into step four and five because I kept on, you know, and the rest of the steps. I heard if I did not work the steps, I would go back into the food. So I used that power to help me to work through the rest of the steps. And I still do. Thank you. With everything in my life. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you very much, Fasa. And good morning, Melissa C. It's your turn. Hi. Good morning, Kanita. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And um, I didn't know if you had gotten my name or not. I uh, was having a problem kind of hearing it. But um, I'm glad to share today, you know, and thinking about um, morals and philosophies and um you know, had you asked me, I would have said, yeah, I had a moral code. I, you know, I know right from wrong. I have a good philosophical outlook on things, you know. But um, having a moral code, you know, to me is sort of like um, having, a, having a diet. Just because I have it doesn't mean that I have the ability to live in agreement with it. And so, you know, I had... I had morals, I had a philosophy, but it wasn't enough because um, I could probably abide by my own moral code 75% of the time, um, and then something would occur, generally something completely outside of my control and power, um, like someone else's behavior, and it would justify for me my bad behavior, you know, someone would do something that I thought wasn't right, well, then that gave me all the excuse um, and justification to behave poorly myself or do it back, you know, and that kind of um, right, what's right and what's wrong, I can't even feel when I say the word right, I'm right, I feel my my fist clench because, um, that's how, you know, that sort of energy that I've always kind of brought to right and wrong. And, you know, my higher power, a connection with my higher power, is not in my fist being clenched, but in my hands being open. And when I let go of what I believe um, and what I know is true, 
that I'm open to what is actually in front of me. You know, I have the ability to live with peace. And, you know, um, for me, being always consumed with what was right and wrong um, gave me far more ammunition to eat than it did to living in peace and recovery. Thank you, Madam. Thank you, thank you. You began to be a little bit garbled, Melissa, but um, I'll let you go because I think we, we got it. Uh, good morning, Amy E. It's your turn. Hi, Amy to Jay. Thank you for your service. I love this paragraph in the big book because uh, uh, we could have a mere code of morals, but the needed power wasn't there. Tells me several things. It tells me that just getting churchy and religious isn't going to do it because I do have a faith that works for me, and I was raised in that faith and prayed all the prayers and went to mass every Sunday, and I didn't understand. I was like, um, I think it's, I think it's Jim, or no, it's Fred. Fred, who thought when he heard that he needed a spiritual plan. He needed to follow spiritual principles. He thought, oh, I got this. I go to church. This is different. This is really about surrender, complete surrender of my will and my life over to the care of a God that I, I seek to understand more and more each day. And that was the key for me. I lived in that tension of step three for a long, long time. And I had a sponsor who would tell me to read uh, step three in the 12 and 12 every day for 30 days. I still have the little check marks on the top of the uh, title page. I couldn't get it. You're asking me to do all this work in this program, but at the same time you're telling me I don't have any power. So what is it? What is powerlessness? How am I supposed to exhibit powerlessness over this disease? How do I exhibit surrender? If you're telling me to make these calls and go to meetings and da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and it's not that willpower isn't useful. It's our use of the will. Uh, the chapter 3 in the, in the 12 and 12 really explains that well. We have willpower. Willpower is part of the game here, but it's putting it in alignment with God's vision for us. And that means that complete and utter surrender. God, I am compulsive over here. I don't like it. I don't want it. But here it is. Tell me what to do. I'm willing. Show me what to do. I'll do it. If it means going to a meeting, I will. If it means calling somebody, every time I have a food thought, and I was having food thoughts like every five minutes, I'll do it. I'll do it. Because this is what my sponsor and what you all are telling me to do. I am going to just follow your, your plan. And that kind of willingness and open-mindedness and obedience was what got me on the track was what started to bring peace in my life. And I'm so grateful for this program and so grateful for all of you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, That's a very good segue into the next paragraph. And I'm going to ask Nicole S. to read the very first paragraph on the top of page 45, which starts with lack of power. That was our dilemma. Good morning. Nicole. This is is Nicole S. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Colorado. Lack of power, that was our dilemma. We had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves, obviously. 
but where and how were we to find this power? And the um, first thing I was going to talk about with this is I have written in my margin here, it's not, it's not an if, it's um, we had to. And, um, and, it, and also this is, had to be a power by which we could live. And I know um, for me when I finally realized that the, the food was, was not the problem, it was just a symptom, I, my main problem was I did not know how to live life. And I had a really uh, vital um, spiritual experience when I was um, 16 years old and then when I um, became a compulsive overeater and the food just had um, progressed to where it was just out of control and ruling my life. Um, and uh, I just remember I would just um, pray that it would, it would go away and that I would have the strength to, um, to not eat anymore and, um, you know, did, did just years and years of, of on my own willpower and um, feeling very ashamed um, before God that I was doing this food behavior. And um, my, my life was just, I couldn't live life. It was out of control. And um, even though I did have this power greater than myself, I wasn't rightly relating to him and wasn't trusting and relying on him um, for living my life. Just thought it was just a mirror. I had to have more control over my food. Um, and so this, this really short paragraph is just so powerful when I finally realized that um, even though I had this power, I was not relying on this power and um, that I needed to rely on this power to live my life. It wasn't just, you know, to take the food obsession away. It was relying on this power for um, everything in my life and not and putting myself, you know, in the, in the passenger seat and not in the driver's seat anymore. Um, and that's all I have to share. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Nicole S. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Naomi B. Boston. Okay, wait a minute. Renata. Wait a minute. <laughs> Katie, and, and I missed one person. I um, I have Naomi, and I have Katie G. But there's Monica. and then was that Monica? Monica and Janice. Janice M. All right. And Tina S. All right, let's stop there for a moment. All right. Uh, Naomi and Monica and Kate, Katie G and Renata and Janice M and Tina S. Good morning, Naomi. Please go ahead. Good morning, Anita. Thank you so much for your service. Good morning, my fellow visionaries. Wow, this is mighty. This is just abs. Oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. This is Naomi B. Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater outside Philadelphia. Lack of power, that was our dilemma. We had to find a power which we could live. Oh, my gosh, and a power greater than ourselves. Well, I was like a two-edged sword. I hated myself, but yet I knew I was great. What a talk about a mismatch. But I know when it came to the food, I was a mess because I was the power greater than my than anything because I controlled it I controlled it I controlled it all the way up to 280 I knew just what I was doing every mouthful and from every bag and every box but once I conceded 
that I and learned. I was taken through this big book, and the truth was told to me. I had a mental obsession. I finally found out what was wrong with me my entire life. I didn't know. All I know is I I was a compulsive eater. I ate and I got fat and I was good at it time after time after time. Until I realized I could turn my will over to God. I was a religious person. I went I went to church. I you know, it's like the whole nine yards. But I didn't know what I didn't know that I could turn this over to God too. And finding a power greater than myself, well, I'm not the director anymore. It has taken so much. I've lost, like, tons of weight just in these last five years. And I don't mean what it says on the scale, but the pressure is off me. The serenity is there. God truly, truly is doing for me which I could never, ever do for myself. And I tapped into that power, the real power, and... Thank you, God. I I can say I'm happy, joyous, and free because of his power and not mine. Thank you for allowing me to share, and I pass. Thank you very much, Naomi. And good morning, Monica. It's your turn. Good morning, Anita. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. Lack of power. That was my dilemma, my problem, my difficulty. So in the paragraph before, I'm going to go back, and I've learned here, and I've come to realize, look back over my shoulder and identify that my human resources, my body, and my mind, as brought together by my will, were not enough. They failed me utterly, totally, completely, absolutely. You know, my sick mind could not heal my sick mind. And nobody else could do it for me either. Not the psychiatrist, not the medical doctors, no one. Not the counseling, none of it. So there's my step one. So now here, lack of power. That was my dilemma. That's my problem. I don't have any power over this. Not my mind, not my body, not my will. What a dilemma. And... And it has to be a power greater than ourselves. You know, they've got that italics there. That squiggly writing, that's very, very important, Monica. It can't be you. It's got to be something greater than you. And then obviously, one word sentence. Obviously, Monica, you're screwed. So where you, but where and how were we to find this power? And notice that's a question there. But where and how were we to find this power? You know, I looked all, <laughs> spent many decades looking for an answer. And they're telling me here, I need a power greater than myself. Where? I'm a religious person. Notice it's a question. And I'll give you a little clue. We are going to find the answer to this on page 55. They were going to tell us, Bill's going to tell us where and how this power is. But that's not where we're at right now. Right now, I have to come to the conclusion that I am powerless. Step one and if I don't have the power, the solution is I need a power that's greater than me. Step two. I'm coming to that conclusion, too. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much, Monica T. And good morning, Katie G. You're up. Good morning. Can I be heard? Yes. Awesome. Good morning, everyone. Katie G. Recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic. And um, lack of power, not lack of knowledge, not lack of intelligence, not lack of college degree, not lack of high school degree, um, 
how did I get to this? Pain. Pain, pain was the only thing that brought, um, I am I am such a hard-willed, compulsive overeater. And the only thing that brought me to admit that the great I am could not control. I mean, I spent my whole life believing the lie. If I was just a better little girl, maybe God will magically transplant me towards the next door neighbors and I'll have, you know, different parents. And if I could just get my mom to see me, to visualize me, to see what a good little girl I am. I can manipulate and control and get what I need. And, oh, wait, things aren't going my way, so let me eat some more. And, um, you know, lack of power, um, being in this program and not eating and being like, okay, well, you know, I'm not getting what I want, so let me exercise some more. Let me find a different power because the power that I, that I, that I say I'm using isn't giving me what I want. Um, and it's today for me, you know, the process of uncovering, discovering, and discarding the lies that I tell myself that I need this to be okay, that that my life needs to look like this to be happy, joyous, and free. And um, for me, you know, being lack of power, it means no matter how hard I try around my food addiction, around exercise, around my character defects, like I'll do a step 10 and I'll be like, that's it. I'm going to be compassionate, patient, tolerant, loving, and that's all I have to do. Well, when I'm at work and I'm faced with pissing pister, like feeling inside, you know, like someone's pressing against my chest. That's when I have to admit that I'm powerless to control it because, you know, the words might come out. But with God, with God, I have a fighting chance or or a surrendered chance, I should say, to pause, to pause and to, like, have God sit on my tongue. And the only way, it's not like I can all of a sudden decide that I'm going to get power the only way I can access power is through these steps. And it's not me. That is the most important thing. Like when I got on my knees this morning and bowed down to God, I am not in management anymore. And it's like, okay, God, you've got this. Show me how. Show me how. So I must practice entire abstinence and commitment to the integrity of these steps because that is where I find God. And it's awesome. And all I know in step two all I've known every time I've gotten there is what I'm doing is completely broken, and I can't do it anymore. I'm doing it with you one more day, guys, and with that, I pass. Thank you very much. Um, and now I um, am going to ask uh, Renata to speak. Thank you. Thank you, Anita, for your service. Uh, good morning, family. This is Renata G., Recovered Compulsive Reader in New York. And the thought that came to me this morning um, was that, you know, like the, the, the reader said, you know, I had a problem living. I didn't know how to live in my own skin and just be okay, just be comfortable. I didn't know how to handle my emotions or, you know, simple life situations like, I don't know, some fears or setting boundaries, whatever that was, right, or how to handle my anger. And so, you know, so I lacked power. Like, I didn't know how to live life on my terms in a good way. And what did I do? I went to the food. Food was my power. Food 
changed how I felt. You know, even if just for a few minutes, even if just for a few seconds towards the end, but food changed the way I saw the world, changed the way I saw myself, the way I felt. And so, you know, food was that power, but it says in the text, I needed to find a power by which I could live. And food was killing me because I have an allergy of the body. So every time I picked up the foods that changed my my views, my mood, my, you know, emotions, I couldn't stop. And that, you know, came with a lot of consequences, you know, physical consequences, emotional consequences, broken relationships, even more fears, self-hatred, all of that stuff. So I could not live like that. You know, when food was my higher power, I didn't live you know, I was barely, barely, you know, getting by. I was, you know, it was just torture. It wasn't, you know, healthy living. But today, what this steps did for me is, you know, they taught me how to live on spiritual basis. And so when I go to a higher power, whatever that is, you know, I there are no bad consequences. It's quite the opposite. There are good consequences of it. And I'm able to pass on those good consequences to others and be of help to others. And so, you know, this thing about a higher power, I don't need to define it or call it a name or anything. All I had to do was to work the steps and let this power show itself to me. You know, anything was better than what was, what I was doing before. And, uh, you know, I just had to really give it a, a chance, a try. With that, I pass. Thank you very much, Renata. And good morning, Janice M. It's your turn. Well, good morning. <clears throat> good morning, Anita L. Um, thank you for your service. Jay. This is Jen. Oh, gee, I'm sorry. Okay, Anita J. Anita J. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for your service, and good morning to everyone. My name is Janice M. I don't know what else I can say. Everybody said everything. But what I see here is it's a small paragraph, but we're reading a book written by recovered alcoholics. So what they're doing here is they're giving them out, they're giving me and everyone here their experience it says lack of power that what is that it's the power lack of power was was is in the past so they've already found a solution and this is what they found was the problem was the problem that was their problem we couldn't understand why we kept drinking we had codes of this and codes of that and we still couldn't find the solution because we had to, again, we had, had, is the past, to find something, some power, something that we could cope with while we, were, while we didn't drink. And that's what it says, that we could live by, live. I don't know about you, but I didn't have any coping mechanisms when I was young. Nobody told me how to cope. The way that we coped and the way through of love was through the foods, you know, that was. That was the way I coped, for ease and comfort, you know. And then as I grew up, um, in, in the, my methods 
my controls. See, they're not talking about alcohol here now. Now we're talking about how to live without the booze, without the food, without the donuts when things go bad. Um, I, I, I lacked power. My thinking problems, see, this, this particular step is, you know, came to believe in a power. It doesn't say anything about a deity yet. It, that would restore me to sanity, which would help me to think differently. I can't think differently without another power because I can't. Sick mind can't hear a sick mind. My disease, my principles, the way that I worked things, no wonder, even if I had the codes of conduct, didn't work for me. So I had to find another power with another codes, with other codes of conduct, and which, of course, we know. We're going to find it here in the book, and that's through the 12 steps, you know. I couldn't, I couldn't live, so I, I came to OA, the door. That was the first door that became a power. And then in that door, as I got through there, there's two more doors, either the door to the disease, my, me, me, myself and I, or the, the door to recovery. It's only two doors. And so, though that's where I found the power, not right away, not in step two, I came to, and I had to have a power. And I thank you, Anita J., and everyone. And I pass. <laughs> thank you very much. And unfortunately, Tina, I hope you can wait for the second hour because we've come to the end of our meeting. I want to thank everyone who shared so beautifully this morning. And uh, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164. And I'm going to ask Irini M. to read a vision for you. Good morning, Irini. Good morning. Thank you, Anita, for your service. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini and I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right. And great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet someone of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.